The Big Issues is brought to you with the kind compliments of Kendall Machine Shop. Does your car make a squealing noise and or your brake pedal vibrate when you apply your brakes? Like brake pads, brake rotors don't last forever. Rotors wear and can also become warped. Your brakes are one of the most important features on your car. At Kendall Auto Care Machine Shop, we can resurface your brake rotors without removing them from your car, saving you time and money. Visit us for a free inspection today. Call Kendall Auto Care at 562-1362 or visit us at the Factory Road Branch. A new U.S. President, Joseph R. Biden, has been sworn in and has been in office for over a week now. As many nations around the world anticipated change in relations under his administration, for better or for worse, we thought we'd ask what we in the Caribbean can expect. So on this segment, we'll ask, does the Caribbean stand to gain anything from a Biden administration in the United States, or is U.S. foreign policy in the region going to remain unchanged? Joining our panel for this discussion, we have Mr. Colin Granderson. He's the Assistant Secretary General at the Caribbean Community Secretariat with responsibility for foreign and community relations. Good afternoon to you, Mr. Colin Granderson. Uh, Morocco. Good afternoon also to Mr. Knight and to your audience. Uh, just to let our audience know, Mr. Granderson, uh, his past postings as a diplomat were to London, Geneva, the United Nations in New York, and he has headed a joint OAS-UN human rights mission in Haiti. He also headed the election observation missions for the OAS and CARICOM in Guyana and Suriname. Uh, Mr. Carlin Knight, he is a student of politics. He joins us as well. Uh, Mr. Knight has taught political science at the Antigua State College and has worked in the Ministry of Foreign Affairs. He's currently a postgraduate student outside of Antigua and Barbuda. Good afternoon to you, Mr. Carlin Knight. Good afternoon. Uh, Mr. Mr. Granderson, uh, does U.S. policy toward the Caribbean change with each administration, or has it been static, do you think? Uh, Mr. Muloka, the sound is uh, very low. Could you perhaps speak just a bit more loudly? Uh, my apologies. Uh, the question was whether or not uh, United States policy towards uh, the Caribbean, uh, does it change with each administration or does it remain static? Uh, the, 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 policy, the policy does not remain static. Uh, yes, uh, there's a fair amount of continuity uh, and, and for, for a number of reasons. Uh, which is that uh, our relationship is based uh, on a number of uh, formal uh, institutional frameworks. Uh, for example, we have uh, the Caribbean Basin Initiative. Uh, there's also the Caribbean Basin Security Initiative. Uh, we have uh, trade preferences uh, that come under the Economic Recovery Act, the Caribbean Basin Economic Recovery Act. Uh, which means, therefore, these these acts have been adopted by by Congress in a bipartisan way. Therefore, that uh, normally leads to a fair amount of continuity. I think with this uh, present change of administration, uh, we're going to see some uh, some changes. Uh, for example, climate change. Uh, climate change uh, has become a top priority for the Biden administration. As you know, this issue is, uh, for us in the Caribbean, an existential one. Therefore, we look forward to the United States 
uh, rejoining the Paris Agreement with regard to climate change. We look forward to it playing also a, a global leadership role because uh, climate change is a global challenge. Unless we have all the major countries involved, it will be very difficult for, prog for progress to be made. I think in the area of immigration, uh, there should be also some changes that could be beneficial to Caribbean nationals. Uh, for example, the intention to, uh, to address the issue of the large number of uh, Ill illegal uh, immigrants, persons without papers. Uh, there's also the, uh, the, the DACA arrangement for, for children born in the United States of, of immigrants. And that, um, there's a sense that uh, their positions could be regularized. Uh, there's also the, the measure uh, for protect, protected status, uh, from which a number of Haitians have been able to benefit following the earthquake in the 2010. Uh, so that yes, uh, there will be some changes that will be of great benefit, of a uh, great benefit uh, to us in the Caribbean. Uh, and Mr. Carlin Knight, uh, do you think U.S. policy in, in the region changes much, or do you think it uh, more so remains static? Um, well, uh, Ambassador Grandison really took all the the, the 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 talking points in that one. I think yes. I mean, it it um, it. It does shift because of, I think, a difference in ideology when it comes to global politics. Um, the previous administration under President Trump was perhaps, you can say, isolationist, um, uh, somewhat nationalistic in its orientation towards diplomacy. There's a feedback coming through. Um, but yes, it was um, a bit a bit nationalistic. It, 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 it withdrew from a number of multilateral institutions and, ag and agreements. Um, reduced the funding to a number of, of these institutions as well. And that, of course, has an implication for small states. And the reason is that small states depend largely on multilateralism and indeed bipartisanship to a, to, to a large extent. But multilateralism, multilateralism is a very important um, forum or mechanism through which the issues that are, affect small and developing states are addressed, particularly the most existential issue of them all, which is climate change. So I think under the Biden administration, what you will see is more of a US uh, engagement on these issues and that the US will uh, begin to uh, re-engage with the international community in a much more um, fervent way. I also think that because um, President Biden has had in the past, remember President Biden was former vice president under uh, President Obama. And um, during that um, period, uh, there was a tremendous, uh, I think, well, not maybe a tremendous, but it was a significant engagement with the, uh, with the Obama administration and, and Caribbean leaders and, and, and Caribbean diplomacy. And I think, you know, uh, President Biden is no stranger to, to the region. And, and perhaps you might say he's a bit more palatable, a bit more, um, um, you know, pro-Caribbean, if you will, than his predecessor was. So I think that the election uh, of President Biden bodes well for the region and indeed and, um, and bodes well for it being able to uh, table some of the, the most important issues 
are affecting US Caribbean relations. And uh, Ambassador Granderson, uh, you mentioned initially the issue of uh, immigrants in the United States uh, and how they would be treated differently under a new administration. Uh, you mentioned as well the issue of climate change, which of course is a major issue throughout the Caribbean given our, uh, our, our, our location and the fact that we're islands uh, and low-lying areas. Um, are there any other pressing objectives that you think that CARICOM, uh, the Caribbean community, the English-speaking Caribbean community, um, can push forward with this new administration? Any other uh, pressing objectives for the region that you think there's a greater opportunity for us now uh, to, to pursue with a new U.S. administration? Um, certainly. Uh, the most uh, pressing issue at this point in time would be economic development, uh, resetting our economies uh, after the devastation experienced from uh, the COVID-19 pan pandemic. Uh, it means, therefore, that uh, economic and financial issues are going to be foremost uh, in the Caribbean's approaches uh, to the United States. Uh, we, we've had a number of issues over the years, for example, with uh, correspondent banking, uh, the fact that the uh, links uh, between regional banks and global banks, in particular in the United States, uh, have been decreased. Uh, this has an impact, uh, obviously, on our economies, especially our, our tourism economies. Uh, there's also the issue of uh, graduation, uh, which is the fact that uh, the majority of CARICOM countries are categorized as middle-income countries, and as such, they do not have access to concessional financing. Uh, this uh, being uh, financing where the rates are much lower than if uh, they are from if they are one on the open market. Uh, we we believe uh, that uh, we have a very strong we have a number of strong arguments to make. Uh, we are also looking very closely at putting in place uh, what we call a vulnerability index. We make the point that yes, uh, we are middle-income countries. Uh, we do uh, far better in a number of areas, especially with regard to human development than other developing nations. But because of our smallness, because of our vulnerability, that uh, external uh, actions tend to have a far more severe impact on our economies than larger developing nations. So th these are some of the areas where advocacy will be required. It's already started. Uh, it started, as a matter of fact, uh, under the outgoing administration, but it's certainly an area in which uh, the Caribbean community will need to be far more engaged. And uh, the point has been made by, by Mr. Knight that uh, we'll be dealing with an administration where at the very top, uh, there, would, there should be far more sensitivity to Caribbean issues uh, because of the, of the experience of, uh, of the president himself. We're hoping, obviously, that uh, the vice president, uh, who has uh, some Caribbean blood in her, that uh, that may also open a few doors. But as I said, uh, the major issue on which we will wish to go forward uh, would have to do with uh, our economic reset and the need for assistance, the need for goodwill and for understanding from the United States, in particular because of the influence the United States has with regard to the major development banks whether it's uh, the whether it's the, the world bank 
whether it's the International Monetary Fund or whether it's the Inter-American Development Bank. And these relations and this influence would be of great benefit to us. Thank you. Uh, and uh, coming to, back to you, Mr. Carlin Knight, uh, we've spoken about uh, Caribbean uh, migrants in the United States. We've spoken about economic development cooperation. Uh, we've spoken about climate change. Uh, what do you think should be the pressing areas um, as we go into a new relationship with uh, uh, a new uh, U.S. administration? Um, well, apart from apart from um, the uh, issues mentioned before. I also think that um, in terms of our response to the global pandemic that is now happening, obviously, the context in which we're now going to be engaging uh, our diplomacy must be sensitive to the needs of developing island states, our countries, and the vulnerabilities that we have to this particular virus. In so far as, for example, um, uh, Ambassador Anderson mentioned the idea of access to development institutions and development financing. I also think that we need access to um, emergency financing insofar as a number of these issues uh, related to COVID are concerned. I think that we also have to look at the issue of our debt profiles and maybe advocacy on, 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 on that end. If, if the United States can um, perhaps uh, use to leverage within these international institutions, I, these international financial institutions, to um, give our countries um, some measure of relief um, from international debt obligations that are, of course, binding our hands and tying up our fiscal space. Um, you know, uh, so I think that COVID and its effects, apart from what has been mentioned before, because we know that climate change obviously is perhaps the number one issue, um, you know, and, and the attendant vulnerabilities coming from climate change, namely that the, the impact of natural disasters and the mitigation measures and adaptation measures that are needed. Um, certainly in terms of, of that, we, we have to got to manage these, this, this crisis. And, you know, it is of course a, a big concern because much of our um, foreign exchange comes from the United States. Um, given that reality, we have to critically engage with um, the United States as a, as a development partner and as a major source destination for, uh, the, for the region insofar as tourism and, and, develop, and, and, and foreign direct investment. So I, I really think that that has to be at the top of the agenda apart from the other issues mentioned. And uh, Ambassador Grandison, um, the Caribbean and, and, and CARICOM and English-speaking Caribbean nations maintain uh, very good relations with uh, Cuba and with Venezuela. Uh, now, Latin America is a, is a whole other sphere of U.S. foreign policy, um, and Cuba and Venezuela specifically are major foreign policy issues for the United States. Do you think our continued um, support uh, of these two nations uh, is going to hinder or improving of relations with the United States going forward? Well, not, not necessarily. Um, there are some issues, uh, for example, with regard to Cuba. Uh, the outgoing administration took a decision that uh, the, the medical assistance provided by Cuba, and from which our, our country is a benefit, and that assistance uh, is uh, being categorized as uh, 
people trafficking. Uh, if uh, that uh, measure is not uh, overturned, it will create problems uh, for us in, in the Caribbean, where especially at this moment of, uh, of, the, of the effects uh, of the pandemic, that uh, Cuban medical assistance uh, has been has been extremely important, uh, very critical in helping us to, to, to respond to our, our medical needs. Uh, it means uh, that uh, on an annual basis, the United States puts out a report on human trafficking. And uh, if one is categorized at the highest level of uh, four, or perhaps I should say the lowest level of four, um, it could have an effect on our trade and uh, economic relations with the United States. So clearly that is something that we need to work on ourselves. And uh, uh, we've already taken a position in the statements uh, uh, coming out of meetings uh, of, uh, of the heads of government. Uh, with regard to Venezuela, uh, as you are aware, uh, the, the Venezuelan issue is a very complex one. Uh, there's a political dimension, but there's also a humanitarian dimension. Uh, CARICOM as a whole, uh, believes that uh, the solution to the situation in Venezuela has to come through negotiations, through dialogue. In the past, we've, uh, we've uh, put forward uh, our, uh, how shall I put it, our um, proposals uh, to, to lend good offices. Uh, we believe, therefore, that uh, dialogue is extremely important. Negotiation is, is important. Uh, where there has been dissonance uh, within CARICOM, and also with regard to the United States, has to do with the recognition of Mr. Guaido, uh, who at the time was uh, the, the president of the Venezuelan National Assembly. Um, that is no longer the case. Uh, we have to see, I, I know that the European Union, for example, no longer recognizes him as interim president, but as a privileged uh, interlocutor, uh, meaning basically as the head of the opposition. Therefore, uh, we are on our own side with CARICOM. Uh, we need to, to work together. We need to be able to speak uh, with one voice. Uh, on uh, With Cuba, it's not really a problem, but we need to work harder among ourselves to be able to speak with one voice uh, with regard to uh, the issue of, of Venezuela. And uh, Mr. Carlin Knight, do you, do you believe that uh, Venezuela and Cuba and our relations with those two countries uh, and our insistence upon maintaining our current positions with those two countries will hinder us in strengthening relations with the United States? No, I do not think so. Um, I, I don't think so. With regard to Cuba, uh, we, we have long-standing relations with uh, the, um, the Cuban government, and that has so far not proven detrimental to our own domestic agendas in the, in the region. Um, and I, I think that the U.S.-Cuba relations are seen as, as, as somewhat separate from its engagement with perhaps English-speaking Caribbean. And I also think that the change in administration in particular does somewhat bode well for the advancement of U.S.-Cuba relations, because you have to remember that it was under the last, well, sorry, the previous administration before this one, so um, uh, the last Obama administration, that there was some measure of, of thawing of relations or detente, as we say, um, between and regularizing or normalizing of relations between U.S. 
and Cuba. That was subsequently reversed under the Trump administration and tightened. Um, and so the indications from what is being reported or what is being speculated at this point are that the Biden administration is keen to see that Obama era sort of thawing of relations begin again. So, um, um, so I think that that bodes well. Uh, Venezuela is perhaps more touchy, but I think that we are somewhat marginal actors in the in the uh, issue of Venezuela. Um, that's that's more complicated political matter. Um, and I, so far as 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 our our regional response is concerned, um, I think that we have um, adopted the position of um, of non-partisanship or not taking sides in this issue, which is good for us, at least in Antigua's case. I'm not sure for all the countries, um, and so that I think is good for us, and that that should be the position that we continue to maintain. That this is a political matter that's for the people of Venezuela. We're concerned with the humanitarian dimension because there's going to be obviously some people uh, who have to migrate and so forth. And so that is going to be a problem for us in the region. And we need to continue to advocate for that humanitarian relief and that humanitarian dimension. But I think insofar as the political dimension and, and how that's resolved, um, that, that we should maintain that we are, are, are going to look for a diplomatic channel to resolve that issue. And that is not for um, for us to interfere in the, in the domestic uh, political, the politics of, the, of Venezuela. All right, we, we are out of time for this segment, but uh, Mr. Mr. Carla Knight, uh, I suppose I could ask you a, a shortened version of this question. It's just one question I wanted to ask you mm -hmm. one more, uh, and you can tell me whether or not you're optimistic or, or not so optimistic. But uh, mm -hmm. Antigua's had a long-running issue with the United States to do with the, um, the, the gaming dispute and the, the World Trade Organization uh, settlement of that issue. Uh, are you optimistic that we'll see some movement under this administration, or are you not so optimistic? More so optimistic than I was under the Trump administration, but not overly all optimistic that something would actually happen. I suppose we just have to wait and see. All right, we'll have to leave it there. Uh, we want to thank Mr. Colin Grandison, uh, Ambassador Colin Grandison. He's the Assistant Secretary General of the Caribbean Community. Uh, he has responsibility for foreign and community relations. Also to Mr. Carla Knight, a student of politics, and he's uh, taught political science at the Antigua State College. Uh, thanks to both of you gentlemen for joining us. The Big Issues is brought to you with the kind compliments of Kendall Machine Shop. Does your car make a squealing noise and or your brake pedal vibrate when you apply your brakes? Well, like brake pads, brake rotors don't last forever. Rotors wear and can also become warped. Your brakes are one of the most important features on your car. At Kendall Auto Care Machine Shop, we can resurface your brake rotors without removing them from your car, saving you time and money. Visit us for a free inspection today. Call Kendall Auto Care at 562-1362 or visit us at the Factory Road Branch.